thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And we are so excited to bring you the amazing Sam Parker today on our show. You know, Cindy and I have got the most amazing story to share with you about how we met this fabulous creature. But more than that, I think the part that excites me beyond Um, words is what Sam is actually doing now and the movement that he is creating amongst men I think is profound so I can't wait to go down the rabbit hole with um, our listeners and with Sam and share everything that he's doing with you because one thing I know is that what Sam has identified amongst our men is something that I guess we've all been waiting for somebody to recognize and do something about. So, Sam Parker, welcome to the show, you big spunk. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, lady. Great to be on. What an introduction. Wow, I just got chills. Oh, man, you can, you can <laughs> pay me 50 bucks for that later. <laughs> Sam, tell us how you met these two. I love the story. Tell, tell, tell. Me tell the story? Yes, please. Oh, okay, that okay. Um, so, 2013 was my last year of uh, a uni at uh, studying chiropractic, and I was always doing things outside to make sure that I was um, hitting the ground running when I got into practice. Because you know, there's a, quite a difference between studying it and actually doing it. So, I went to this event called Dynamic Growth uh, Congress, and it was in Brisbane. And uh, at the time, you know, listening to you know, it was great listening to the wellness guys on the way to uni, the up for a chat girls, although. Catherine would usually tell me what happened. My beautiful wife would tell me what happened with you guys when we went for a walk. So I'd get the uh, the, uh, the quicker version, which is fine. Still got all the information and all the changing habits, products, and all these oils and all these things started turning up in our kitchen. So we'd started following you and, you know, talking about now, it's quite funny now that we live on the Sunshine Coast that, you know, we're always catching up, you know, always running to each other for coffee because we all go to the same kind of cafes and that sort of thing. But at the time, you know, there was a bit of this kind of crazy thing. How good it would, have, would it be to meet these guys or, you know, have coffee with them? And now it's kind of, you know, it's a bit boring. It sort of happens every day. Oh, you know? it's <laughs> boring. It's boring, but it, it happens a lot now. And, you know, it's it's amazing how much that changed. But anyway, um, Catherine and I went to this com, uh, conference and uh, Catherine decided, as she does, she's, um, she's very um, fashion conscious and uh, had a dress to wear, so she was always coming to the ball. And... Uh, we didn't really know. We knew a few people. Didn't really know anyone in the profession. I hadn't had a. I didn't have a, uh, a gig after uni lined up or anything like that. So it was kind of a bit of a networking thing. Um, sat down at a table at the back, which, if uh, for the people that know me from uni, uh, is where I love to sit, right up the back, so I can watch everyone. And uh, met met an amazing chiropractor from WA who's been on this show, I think, as well. And uh, I've met a few times since uh, Matt Horner. Yep. And then these um these two ladies sort of elbowing each other and, you know, oh, where should we sit and who's that? And then I got this massive, <laughs> I've probably still got the bruise from Catherine where she elbowed me in the ribs. She said, that's Karen Smith and Cindy O'Meara. And I was like, oh, no, I won't say who are they. No, I knew who you were. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you presented that day, Karen, so I definitely knew who you were. So I gave you a big hug first thing I met you, but went and introduced myself because I'm a bit, I'm not very backward in coming forward. And uh, we proceeded to... Um, yeah, we got along like a house on fire and, yeah, well, I think we're out till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning drinking red wine and talking and, yeah, and my parting shot was uh, when are you going to get me on the podcast and that was three years ago. So I've, um, <laughs> we're there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we had such a fun <laughs> night. It was so, it was just, it was, it was fabulous and it was true because Cindy and I, we couldn't find our table at that event. I remember it so clearly. We were like, where are we sitting? And then Cindy said, well, I don't care. We are just sitting close to the dance floor. Find a table close <laughs> to the dance floor. I want to dance. And I, <laughs> and I remember having such a giggle. And then we spotted these two seats and sat next to you guys. And it was, it was such a fun 
night and it, we didn't want it to end. I think it was only that we were all so exhausted by two o'clock in the morning that we finally decided to go to bed. But it, we just had such a fabulous fun night. And I don't think that any of us actually ran out of conversation. There was always something extraordinary to talk about. It was it was terrific. And then after the ball, we all went um, down to I don't know, where, South Bank. Yeah. And um, remember we had a drink at South Bank. Yeah, it, you're right. And I was thinking, geez, I better get up because we've got Sunday. Um, come, you know, there's still conferencing to be had. So um, I think it was about 2 in the morning by the time we left there and, and all went home after a very good night and meeting new people and amazing people and, yeah, and having the, the best conversation. And sometimes that's how friendships start. And I guess that was the beginning of um, a was that when had you decided, Sam, that you were going to come to the Sunshine Coast to live and work for Mark Possels, Dr. Mark Possels? Um, well, Mark would say play with him, Mark Possels. Yeah. I'm constantly <laughs> wrong to say it, but let's, um, playing with a purpose, shall we say, with Mark Possels. Yeah. He'll he yeah, yeah. me number that. Um, that wasn't until I went on placement, which was later on in October. But it's quite funny how all the uh, the universe aligned. Karen, you'll appreciate this about how how we ended up up here and then what's transformed since then at all. Yeah, if the universe didn't have to slap us in the face, but it was definitely pushing us in a certain direction and I'm glad that we uh, we followed that that instinct, that the messages that we were getting because we met you guys. Oh, I'd met Mark, at, I think I met Mark a couple of months later at a, one of his um, seminars that he does around the country every year and then I was one of, I was the only student that went to that event and then he uh, he knew my chiropractor from uh, the hometown I grew up in, in, in Leeton, uh, Mark Carter and his family, and Ryan was in the same year as me at uni, his son. And uh, Ali had done a, a locum for that practice, so she, he knew the hometown that I grew up in and all sorts of things. And Mark invited me up to the placement, and we were kind of thinking about moving to, I was thinking about practicing in Ireland and moving to Ireland, and they play a little oh. bit of cricket there and all these sorts of things and then I came up here and I think by the second day I was like yeah no this is it I had I didn't really pay any attention I didn't have a vision board back then but um, my little desk that I it was stuck at for five years uh, studying getting through uni was surrounded by pictures of the beach in particular Coolum where my uncle used to live for a little while and it was like it was pretty obvious that uh, the Sunshine Coast was the place to be. Oh, and and well, having you, know, you here, we've all moved here. <laughs> yeah, you're only human. You're only human. Yeah, well, that's what everyone says when they come up to visit us. Um, you know, people, family, and friends from Melbourne, and that sort of thing. They all, you know, oh, do you live here? And it's like, yeah, you can too. And it's like similar with you know, um, other people that have been through your courses, all three of your courses. It's like, oh, you, oh, I want to live here. And it's like, well, you can. And then they sort of, you see them. Sometimes it takes them a while to come to that. Other people sort of jump on it. So it's, it's quite cool. Now, um, you're just not living on the Sunshine Coast, beaching it every morning with my husband, um, married the love of your life and doing chiropractic. You're actually doing other things in your life. Can you let us know what, number one, inspired you to do more than what you're doing um, and, to, and that purpose that you seem to have at the moment because you always seem to be purpose-driven. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I think uh, it all started finishing uni and moving up here. And, us, you know, Mark Postles has, you know, amazingly big ideas and he's very, he's just an amazing human being uh, and the whole team at Coast Chiropractic and spouses and everyone involved in that organisation is just incredible. Um, but then, you know, hanging out with you guys for coffee or running into you accidentally on purpose or however it all worked out, um, you know, you're the average of the five people you hang around. And around here, there's so many creative, inspired, purpose-driven individuals who think differently. It's not about nine to five. It's not about, oh, there's never enough. It's about, well, what can we can, can you create? How can you make a difference? What's, what makes you fulfilled? And I, I sort of got, you know, sucked into that vortex, which is awesome. So without the um, – I found it difficult to study um, – for, I think it was six years after I came back from England and all these sorts of things um, to get through college and you always felt that over, you know that weight on your shoulders and something hanging over your head that you you know you had to study you had to do this you had to do that and uh, had this amazing growth explosion in personal development uh, 
Nicole Donaldson, uh, who's a Demartini facilitator, took us through um, a thing called the, the Collapse, so it's not quite the breakthrough experience. Um, she took us through that. Uh, I bought one of John Demartini's books, which I got him to sign recently after I interviewed him on my podcast. Um, and then this, this blonde bombshell um, invited me to come along to her Speakers Fast Track event. <laughs> 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 That's brilliant. Very generous, and it was pretty awesome. That's me. That's me. He's talking about. I saw you yesterday, Karen. He's talking about me at first. Moment too. What's that? I saw you yesterday in the office, and you're looking great, by the way. Oh, really? Did I miss you? Yeah, I was up the back in the corner. That's my that's my little corner up the back there. You were you were busy. Oh yes, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went in for my adjustment with Susan. Yes, and uh, so um, I got invited along to your speakers fast track course, and you know it's not something that I would have probably done myself. And I was like, oh, I'm not really a speaker. I never felt I never had an issue getting up and talking in front of people, but um, talking about chiropractic and all these sorts of things. And I was like, yeah, this is something you know to take the next level and to um, to get the message out and all those sorts of things. You know, that kind of makes sense. So went down to Melbourne and I remember just watching in awe. I was just like, oh, this is this is amazing. Like, if you haven't done Karen, any of Karen's courses, it's um, I highly recommend it. I've done all all the different levels with Karen, and they're both they're all blown me away. Um, but the speaker's fast track was just, I was just sort of uh, watching I, it before. Sorry, Sam, I just want to interrupt yeah. you. Have you ever ridden a horse with Karen? <laughs> was that necessary? <laughs> I was just having, we were just having oh. a moment in the sun of just basking in my brilliance and then you have to go and throw that in, Kimmy. <laughs> Kimmy, that was perfect. That was perfect. Do I, do I even answer that question? No, Sam, you don't. In case you don't know, know, it's probably become a little bit exaggerated, but while we were in Peru, Karen was riding one of the 911 horses, just for the hell of it. And and they're called 911 horses because if you can't be bothered walking anymore, just get on on a horse. And Karen hopped on one, and while it was standing still, so the story goes, she fell off it. It wasn't standing still. I don't know who said that. I'm with you, Cindy. Uh, we were going down a steep hill, and the <laughs> we were going down a steep hill, and the and the horse took a step that just threw me forward, and I fell off because there were no reins, and you just because I could only hold on to the saddle, so there were no reins. And therein lies the metaphor, to. Sam. There were no <laughs> reins, and here's the thing. And I wouldn't like to take anything away from her brilliance because she is amazing. <laughs> and I think the point on this is is that you are absolutely right. What she offers, and in my world, and and the analogy for me, the metaphor is Karen is somebody who will help you take hold of the reins and actually live with purpose. She just gave us the metaphor of falling off and what it means to get back up on that horse even if we do fall off. Nice, nice recovery. (laughs) Love it. Sam, do you know when you were up in the mountains with Karen and her course last year, I think you guys were up in, was it Mulaney, guys, and you were doing Mindset Mastery? Um, that was the I inner circle, like actually, actually, Kimmy. That was the oh, inner the, circle. Sorry. The inner circle. Yeah. I personally, and, and I don't know a lot of, obviously, what happened up there, but your beautiful wife, Catherine, was working with me at that time. And would it be fair to say that that was – and I don't know if it was just the course or was it the timing, but there was a real epiphany, a real shift in your energy into not just helping one-on-one but how to help, you know, thousands, lots of other people. It's almost like you took your purpose from supporting people's health and well-being to a whole global platform. Was that Am I off target there? Is that around the time, you know, 18 months ago where you really started to see that you had a lot more to give and offer this planet than than being just a superstar chiropractor? <laughs> um, thank you. Um, yeah, I suppose it was around that time. It was definitely um, a shift leading into that. I think the whole excitement and energy, um, there was ideas flowing. Um, my podcast, the podcast was, um, you know, uh, in the works kind of thing and I think with like most ideas and when you're um, challenging your beliefs about yourself and 
something you've never done before, it, sometimes you need to collect a lot of information. And, and from that, um, Nicole Donaldson's uh, The Collapse stuff and then uh, with Karen, uh, coaching, you know, all these sorts of things, it all I collected a lot of information and then was starting to finally uh, see what it meant to me and then turn that into something that I was passionate about. Mm. So it was, it was, but then being in, you know, uh, two or three days, I think it was with um, amazing like-minded individuals and quite a powerful moment because, um, you know, Jess passed away halfway through, I think. Mm. Jess, mm. let's go. You know, this kind of, kind of, um, there, there was something very special, uh, something about Mulaney as well in the hinterland, but also the, the people and Karen and that whole energy that, that space that she provides when she facilitates something, uh, yeah, really, yeah, you can't, you can't, once you expand, I think I sent Karen a text, you know, once you expand beyond what you thought was capable, you can't go back, you can't contract after something like that. So it was, it was in the works but then manifested as manifested and manifested continually as, we, as I get clear on who I'm targeting and how I can help others. Mm. So Sam, what tell us about what has been created as a result of um I guess your own personal discovery, your own personal journey. Because it's oftentimes that, you know, we've got to do the inner work before it's reflected in the outer work. So tell yeah. us tell us about that journey for you. Well, um we came at Speakers Fast Track and um Karen, you walked up to me at one stage, and I don't know if you're in flow, and I don't know if you remember it, but I was sort of just watching and going, this is really cool, this is amazing. You know, things that at uni that you've got provided with and seminars that you do are very, sometimes they're quite academically based. They're not really, I like big picture, connection, and, you know, making a difference, and I could see you making a difference to people in the room right away, and I was just in awe, and I was, and I got so much out of that weekend. I can't do this as speaker's fast track. And you walked past me at one stage, and I was just like, I was just loving it and you go, you just whispered in my ear and you went, one day you'll be doing something like this. And I, that's still with me today. I'm getting I'm getting chills actually talking about it. And um, I don't think that's ever ever left me from that moment. And, um, you know, I had, I've had ideas and things since then. Like you, you promote talking about podcasts and doing a podcast and I don't think I'd found my – I didn't hadn't had the right direction. I hadn't found my voice as to where I wanted to go with that. You know, there was um, Dr. Daniel Sim, chiropractor, and Dr. Jake Curry, who um, who we all moved up after we finished uni. You know, we're all sort of hanging out together and we were thinking about doing a podcast together, but it didn't feel quite right for me. Yeah. And um, yeah. and then I went and did more work. I did your mindset mastery. I um, Catherine and I both invested in getting coaching through Mark Costles with Quest Chiropractic Coaching and doing a lot of his work with him um, and just reading a heap of books and, you know, my dad has all the Tony Robbins audio and all those sorts of things. So I've just, and, you know, heaps of podcasts and just collected all this information and then found that I'd absorbed it. Like we'd have friends that come around, that would come around to our house or whatever and I'd started doing what Mark would do to me in a coaching session, talk about what you talk about, Karen, stuff that I'd read from Martini. I just started questioning people, asking them questions, having a chat to them about those sorts of things. And then I realised I've absorbed, like, was like an out-of-body experience. I was like, where did that come from? Yeah. And then I think, you know, well, if you ever see my Instagram page or anything like that, I do have a high value around having coffee and mm-hmm. kicking back in the morning before I go into the office or starting my day. Um, and it's kind of the same thing. It's something I'm passionate about, personal development, or people, if you don't mind me plugging, unleash your inner superstar. You know, there's that's what you taught me, Karen, is that, there's this awesomeness with inside of everyone and it's you should unleash it. It's there to be used. It's not for you to play a small game. Mm. It's not to you mm. to live someone else's dream. It's up to you to make that difference and let it out. And I was the kind of person that was I was thinking I'd you know, I sat at the back of uni, I thought I'd just, you know, I'd do an associate for a while as a chiropractor and then own my own practice and live happily ever after on the beach, but that's kind of changed. You know, there's there's more to it than just um, yourself. And I've slowly, I think that's the process over the last couple of years that, you know, to start with it was like, well, what can I get out of doing this? But now it's like I can see the service I can provide and I, I just, it's about helping other people. And once you, that happens, all these other things start changing. So probably by the time this goes to air, we, something else will happen. So, 
Amazing. Question does that answer the question? Yeah, no, it it does. It absolutely does. Uh, So, what has that? Because you're doing some pretty amazing things right now, and you're really um, stepping out there in a major way to to start to make a difference, particularly for men. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it was quite quite funny. Um, I think, and this is. Um, no offense to the women, but you guys, you guys have got it sorted a lot better. You're so much more in tune with the world, um, others, um, your own selves. Once that, once you start taking these steps, you just and you have that support network as well. Like this podcast, you know, the the ripple effect of just the podcast, let alone your individual brands and products and services that you guys promote. It just makes them, you know, it's there. Like it. You can sit down and have a coffee or, you know, women get together. They just know how to support each other and it's kind of expected that that happens whereas, you know, and nothing against anyone that I played cricket with, I don't mean to offend anyone, but that whole and going to boarding school and things like that, you just kind of, the way the blokes tend to, um, you know, survive is that for me I'd go internal because I knew I could rely on myself. And you ask Catherine, like, during exams and stuff, I just, you know, I was there, but I wasn't. You know, the, the lights were on, but no one was home. I was, you know, I was pretty stressed and I, was, I knew I could rely on myself. And that's what you kind of did. And that's what a lot of the, you know, playing cricket as well, you know, you're, you're facing a guy that's bowling this little red ball that's hard at about 130K sometimes. And, you know, you, you're kind of crapping yourself at the same time and you've got you to dig deep and rely on yourself. But then we don't talk about that. It's not... It's not accepted to express about it. And then if you are having a hard time, the the thing is, well, and the the way that you celebrate or the way that you commiserate or anything is all about generally getting pissed. And that doesn't really help Mm. anyone. And it's not cool to talk about. Do you think it's a a male psychology, that kind of thing, like a sporting psychology, a mindset around? Like what is that? Because you don't see the netballers sitting around and can't wait to go and have a beer, or a wine, even like you just don't see that. Yeah, I think it's well, it's it's just a uh, a conditioned response, I suppose. You you model, you know, what's what happens, and you know, you like look at certain ads and they promote all these, you know, sporting icons that you know you think of Murph Hughes or someone like that or David Boone from the cricket world. And yeah. that sort of, it's like a it's like a rite of passage, you know. Mm-hmm. Once you start playing, you know. A decent level of sport or adult sport, you know, it's like, well, what do you do afterwards? Well, you go and have a drink afterwards. And, you know, I remember playing cricket and I was, you know, in my hometown, I was playing, you know, with adults from about the time I was 12. And you'd go to the, the club or something afterwards and they're all having a beer and stuff afterwards. You know, you're exposed to it at quite a young age. And I think it's just a, it's just a conditioned response. It's just something that we've done. But I think when you talk to, you know, the Sunshine Coast is a bit of a bubble, but when you talk to guys around here, um, and in particular my friends and stuff, there's a real consciousness that it's going to shift, it's going to change, and there's other guys talking about the same kind of things that I'm talking about. But it's, but then you still get the guys that, you know, had, had someone that came in yesterday and, you know, same sorts of things. You've been, you know, we're all taught to be good boys and, you know, you go to school and then if you if you're not great at school, you get a trade and then, you know, you start working for yourself and you buy a house and you get married or you go to, or if you're good at school, you go to uni and then you get the best job and then you get the house and then you get married and have kids and then, and then guys get to that stage and I'm like, well, I've done everything that everyone's told me to do. Now what? They've never asked themselves, what is it that I really want to do? And then also the other thing is that, just with that perception, that conditioning, is that they get, we get told that we've got to provide and the best way to provide is go out and work hard. Like how many blokes go out there for, to work 40 to 80 hours a week, come home and are absolutely knackered and then um, the rest of the family, the kids and the wife are kind of going, well, what about us? But his highest value and the most important thing to him is to provide for the family. But he can't. But then he's got no energy left to actually interact and build stronger relationships with everyone else. So it's just do something. You think that, the, do you think the role of the man and the woman 
uh, you know, a lot of people believe that the women, you know, with all our feminist movements and our, you know, there's women leading countries, there's women in the front line, there's women out there, you know, they're the main income earners. Do you blame that in a way or do you have a perspective on that as to men know. losing their foundation? What do you I think? I don't blame that at all. I think that's fantastic and women, uh, you know, that's entitled to do that. But then you're very, the women in general are very good at standing up and doing that. I know it's still not even and I'm not... Um, I don't mean to offend anyone when I make these comments, especially women, but I'm more interested in helping the blokes. So that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I think blokes are just a bit lost as to what to do with, you know, with everyone changing and people, you know, women standing up for themselves. Blokes kind of go, yep, okay, and we'll do that, but then they don't really think about themselves as well. Mm. I think for me personally it's like our relationship is a lot deeper and we've been only married for seven or eight months now and like the the change in perspective was like overnight for me like we lived together we've been together for quite a long time but once we got married it really shifted my perspective on things and planning things and what's going to happen in the future and all those sorts of things it really does you know the for me and I presume most of other men it's about um creating a life for you and your family that is comfortable and that you can raise amazing children and everyone's quite comfortable and happy. And that's up to become quite a high priority, which was quite interesting. You know, I've got to say it's one thing that I've always been curious about is that, you know, for men, that level of responsibility to be the provider and to... Um, you know, to, to be looking after the family and all those sorts of things. I've, I've often wondered how men cope with that because, you know, innately we are wired slightly differently, but it doesn't mean that we don't feel the same things and it doesn't mean that we don't um, have fears or we don't have things that concern us or keep us awake at night. And I've often thought about that. Like I, I even just think about, you know, watching my brother and my, uh, my nephews and the men in my life that I know. I've often thought, you know, like it, it, it must it must weigh heavily on a man's shoulders when the woman does have children and she wants to stay at home and she wants to care for the children. It must weigh heavily on their shoulders to think, shite, now I've got so much that I need to provide for. My responsibility levels have escalated. How will I do this well and continue to do this well for the rest of their days? I, 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 because if I think of myself and I think how would I feel if that were me, that would be a massive responsibility that would keep me awake most nights. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't talk about it. We just suck it up and, and you know, just push it deep down and don't generally don't look at it. We just sort of get on and, you know, don't don't be a, a pansy or, you know, don't don't be a sook, you know, just get on and get into it and, Provide. Mm. Tough, though. T- tough to, to make sure that you're doing it right. And I see the point. I see the point that you're making and that while you're concentrating on doing that, you're also not there for the family. You're also not there for yourself. Yeah, and I think that's been a big thing just in our relationship is that I, um, you know, being a guy and, you know, a limited amount of words, like if I finish a, a, a quite a busy day in the office, I'm, I'm pretty spent. And, you know, if there's something happening or, you know, just talking about my day, I found really difficult. But I found, you know, talking about, you know, just opening up to Catherine, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, just to say how my day was. And, and it's quite amazing if you start talking about um, your wins as well for the day or something that happened, um, obviously, you know, without breaching confidentiality or anything like that. But <laughs> just talking about those sorts of things um, really does make a big difference. And, you know, that's all that's all Catherine wanted. It was just to me to talk about it a little bit. And it, felt, it lifted a weight off my shoulders because I found I was talking about um, things that went really well. And I stopped thinking about, the, you know, the 1% of things that, that could have been a little bit better. Mm. And mm. it's even more, in, and I'll, I'll put this in, uh, I can't say too much on the topic, but it's with what's happening with chiropractic and how it's actually being um, violently opposed, bordering on malicious, well, maliciously abused at the moment by other professions, 
um, it's quite good to look at the difference that you're making and the ripple effect that you're making for someone who is under your care. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's quite important. Yeah, because do you find it difficult to, to sorry, Karen. No, no, no. Do you find it difficult to to hear the abuse or the, you know, in the profession that you've studied, how many years it took to you to become a chiropractor? Is it difficult? What do you guys do as a unity or an organisation to stay strong with the knowledge and the power that you have, and just trust that what you're doing is the right thing no matter what? Do you have, do you have to do anything yeah. with those feelings? Well, yeah, I I, um, I won't comment too much, but I'll just say that it is quite um, frustrating. Um, but it's not about me. But it's it's interesting what's happening within the profession, and you know this has happened. You know, uh, in America, the medical association tried to you know get rid of chiropractic, and they were were massively in the wrong, and they got you know found out in court. The same thing happened in New Zealand and the same thing will happen in Australia is that, you know, chiropractic's here to stay. Chiropractic is something that should be part of um, options for people's health in Australia and it'll only galvanise the profession. Um, Our credibility or you know, because we're getting attacked, our credibility is only going to rise at some point. Um, All the research that's coming out is amazing, Um, you know, and it's it's funny, isn't it, because... It's similar with, you know, food or all these other things. You know, you see Pete Evans get attacked and he's doing the best he can for what he does and all these sorts of things is that, you know, it's not, they'll say it's about science, but then when the science starts backing up what you say, then it's not credible enough. And it's like this little, this game that they play to discredit you is actually not true. So they can't, they've got no foot to stand on. You know, there's definitely things that we can clean up within the profession and get better at, but I think it's only going to strengthen the profession in the long run. So it's actually, you know, the, the night is darkest just before the dawn, and that's kind of what's happening at the moment. But I think it's only going to, thanks to them and the attacks that they're giving us, they're actually going to strengthen the profession. So, you know, I bring it on. Sam, I, I'm actually seeing that because, like, I follow the chiropractic profession um like a lot because my husband's a chiropractor and my dad's a chiropractor and my sister's a chiropractor and my daughter's about to become a chiropractor. So um, I do follow it. And you know what I find very interesting is that um, I have friends in the medical profession and their views on chiropractic are not good. And it's only because that's what they've been taught within their the college. So this has been a groundswell for not just this year running. This has been a groundswell that's been... Um, going on for quite some time and I'm watching the profession you know come together I remember watching a video just last week and it it was um, McGlynn I think his name was um, or McGuinness one of those names and he said I may be deregistered I don't care but somebody needs to talk about this and he talked about because the whole thing is about pediatric chiropractic and pediatric Um, medicine and it's all about colic at the moment that I can see and that there are no double blind you know studies I'm so sick of this evidence-based crap that's going on at the moment because most when they talk about evidence-based it's actually they don't the the definition of it and I I'm not great at um, I'm better at paraphrasing than quoting but it also includes evidence-based includes what you see in practice and the results that happen no one yeah. never talks about that. Everyone just goes for the randomised controlled double-blind study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I found really interesting was that um, they're asking the chiropractic profession for their double-eyes, randomised, double, um, what is it, double randomised? Yeah, yeah. I can't even, I don't even know what they want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, they don't have it for the, the, the drugs that they give for colic. So, and oh, you know, and I and I know that you guys can't even talk about this stuff. It's so sad. You're not allowed to talk about, um, you know, the the studies. There's no studies for the amount of vaccines that they're giving. I know you can't comment on this, but there are no studies um, for the amount of vaccines they're giving kids. There is none, and yet they're saying they're perfectly safe. Yet there are parents out there that are saying, "Hang on, something's wrong with my child," and. You know, like I and, and the, the medications for ear infections. There's, there's no. Well, the studies are coming out now. They don't work. The drugs that they're using. So I, I feel for your profession. I really do. And 
but I see it as um, your profession had a bit of infighting, I noticed, there for quite a while. I think that infighting will stop and you'll um, collect, collectively come together and fight this menace that is happening. And it's not the medical doctors. A lot of medical doctors um, are friends of chiropractors. They're, they're friends of nutritionists. It's political medicine and it always has been political medicine. And... Um, it's also the astroturfers out there. So there's some pretty mean astroturfers out there. Like my um, nutrition education um, online course has just been approved by the Chiropractic Association for 25 hours over a two-year period. Well, there's been absolute crap that my course has been getting in social media by, I'm sure, astroturfers. Um, and I just, I laugh them off. I go... Well, that's your issue. Wait till you see that the medical association is about to give me accreditation. So, you know, <laughs> I can hardly wait. <laughs> I think sometimes that's also a good indicator, you know, and that's about the, you know, stepping out and being confident in and sure about what you're talking about and how you want to help people is that when yes. you know you're on the right track when people start questioning. And I think that's probably the thing when you've got an idea or a goal or this this superstar within that you want to start to unleash, if you don't mind me saying that sort of that way, that's how I usually say it, um, you know, it's everyone's scared about what people will say. Generally, most people around you and when you start getting out there will support you. But then I remember going to see uh, Ben Harvey recently, another personal development guy who's fantastic. And, you know, he said for every person that loves his material, that's great, but there's going to be 10 people that don't and that's okay. And, you know, politicians... You're a good politician if 50.5% of the population like you. You know, it's not about being like, it's about doing what, you know, what needs to be done. You know, Martin Luther King just didn't walk, you know, walk across Georgia easily and change civil rights and all those sorts of things. So all these people have gone through crap before that's come out the other side. Yeah. 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 Agree. Agree entirely. And it's wonderful. So, um, Another thing that I wanted to make comment on was that, you know, you talked about, you know, women, um, you know, they go and have coffee and they support each other. Well, I think what you're doing here on the Sunshine Coast, you know, you produce a pretty amazing group that meet every morning, um, do a swim in the ocean and then go and have coffee. And my husband is one of them. And I think, you know, you're creating that space for men and it seems to be growing. The more... The, like it used to be, I think, you and Matt that I used to see out there and that was you, Matt and Howie and then Tim and I don't know, I keep seeing the numbers growing as, as your little group gathers. Yeah, yeah. They're like, bloody women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, it was kind of, it's kind of grown organically and, you know, Matt and I started, you know, going for a body surf most mornings um, throughout the year because I'm still not acclimatised, I'd like to think. I like to think traumatised, but I still find the water quite warm even at this time of year. And it kind of it kind of grew from that. And then at the same time, I noticed I looked around and there's seven chiropractors in our office at the moment and they are amazing with supporting um, the family and stuff. But there was no one really looking after. And, and I suppose this was where I grew as well, was looking around and I modelled myself on you know, Sally Battle, who'd been in practice for so many years, and Mark Postles and Susan Steinhardt and Karen Phillips, everyone in the office, Caroline de Groot and Anna Christensen, better get everyone in there, um, you know, model myself on what worked for them and then would apply that and try it on and then find that uh, that wasn't quite how I want to do it. And then I realised that no one's looking at blokes. And then I had the void at the same time of I wasn't playing, I'm not playing cricket since I've moved up here, and I, you know, was craving. We met all these beautiful, amazing women from Ground Organics. You know, you know, Simone and Monique and Mel Giebel, Mel Brook now, and all these amazing ladies. And I was like craving that bloke time because I didn't have it. So, the, you know, the body surfing kind of manifested itself, and then that was my fo That's my focus now in practice, especially you know anyone, you know, even younger men as well. I think they're from what I hear, from what I see within practice. You know, they're craving that. You know, what am I going to do that, you know, that I'm unsure of who they are and where they're going and what they want to do um, and providing that support. And then, you know, from that, you know, I've met Lyle from CrossFit, who's the conscious man and who runs these men's network. 
uh, he just moved up from Bribey Island and he has this uh, he had this little idea that he'd been playing with for a little while called the Conscious Man. It's a men's networking group and nothing to, you know, we don't sit around and sing Kumbaya and hold hands and hug each other. And oh, we do hug each other on the coast. That's how you shake hands up here, I've, I've learned. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, just guys getting together and talking and, and just chewing the fat basically, you know. And then once someone talks about something, then, you know, someone else will mention something and you'll find that we're all on that same same page, that same wavelength about, you know, what's going on. And then I think with the group, you know, with, with Tim, uh, Tim Robson, Matt Weller, you know, now Rob Anderson's on the coast and a few other guys that come along, there's all these these guys that are making a difference and that sort of rubs off on everyone. So yeah. good. And you know what's so beautiful is, well, what I love about you guys in particular is everybody, it's like meeting, it's serious, it's serious it's like meeting up with your girlfriends. It's like there's just a big group of everybody, everybody hugs, everybody talks, everybody gets right to the core of it, everybody shares, everybody's honest. I just think it's a really beautiful inspirational way for young people for more mature people for men for women for us all to feel and you know what the difference i think is though sam every single one of you have a deep respect for women you which in turn means you have a deep respect for men and i really think the that that men out there that enjoy having their women around with them that they like um being a part of um any you know it's it's no longer the boys are out cooking the barbie the women are in the kitchen cleaning the dishes it's there's just there's this easiness with you guys and i truly believe that is how we were meant to evolve as men and women yes we can have distinct roles and yes you guys are definitely a stronger constitution when it comes to physicality yes we may be better nurturers i'm not please don't get me wrong i'm not saying neither of us can do either one but what's powerful in that is that you truly do allow um, you men in that group really allow every single woman to be themselves and therefore allow each other. Do you think that's a distinction you've even acknowledged in your group? Um, maybe not, but I was just thinking about it while you're talking about it. I think that there's just that we're at a stage where we've probably found out a lot about ourselves. We're getting clearer on what we want to do, you know, personally and as men and, you know, and with our beautiful um partners and wives, girlfriends, um, that I think there's that that collective consciousness here on the coast and with, you know, guys that listen to these kind of podcasts um, about who you are and understanding what you're doing, what your purpose is, understanding what's important to you. But then once you start understanding who you are and what you're doing, I think that then you can better communicate and then also look at other people's perspectives a lot easier. Um with that so I think to communicate better once you know once you do start doing the internal work you know once you um make that change within everything else with outside starts you change the way that you look at that so I think that's part of it as well isn't that beautiful you said make that change within and our byline is all about awakening that change within and I think that's what these (laughs) workshops and these podcasts and these connections I I think it's very isn't that interesting that where the women say awaken the change and the men say make even that the distinction in itself the men the women but it's the same same I love it yeah yeah so yeah it's just amazing the moving up here and just the people that we're surrounded by is just just incredible and to even to now I was really craving that bloke time and it's all it's funny how you know you know Demartini talks about you know the void becomes your biggest value and then when I looked around it was kind of staring me in the face like I, I go out to Kingaroy once a month as well and there's I'm sure, you know, if you look at the stats on men's health and men's mental health and all these things, you know, they're craving out for these kind of things. It's like it's almost 42 suicides a week for males in Australia. Like, that's ridiculous. God, God, is it that high? Yeah, that's men in Australia. That's not women. That's not anyone else. That's men in Australia. And it's, you know, it's crazy. And, you know, we're, we're just not equipped at the moment with, you know, what we're meant to be doing or how we do it. So, you know, personal development's a massive thing for for people to um, get into before it gets to, like, before there are, you know, clinical signs and symptoms. Okay, so how do we open these men up? How do we nurture them into being a space? I mean, you've all felt comfortable in each other's company to be raw, real and open. How does a wife listening to this go, I wish my husband could be more open or I wish he had a network? You don't just go and make a friend on the beach. Or do you? How does it work? <laughs> well, there's been a couple of guys that have come to um, Lyle's Conscious Man events. That, um, he's, uh, 
the guy's wife has found the ad or has seen it on Facebook and sort of told him to come along. So that could be one way of doing it. Um, I know for me, you know, um, yeah, I still do some typical bloke behaviours and, you know, Catherine might be right, but I have to make up my own mind and come back to her and then let her know she's right. So the more you push, sometimes the worse it is. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay to admit that. So yeah, she's so yeah. I'm getting better at recognising that and uh, stepping into that. But uh, Catherine's great with me for just giving me space and time just to figure out things for myself. And I think that's one of the big ones for men and women. Um, in you know, we're just so busy. And what the hell are we busy busy for? You know, it's just crazy. We don't give ourselves. We're meant to have all these time saving devices and all these things that save time, but we never actually give ourselves time and that's why i highly value having a coffee with the boys in the morning or going for a body surf and doing these kind of things it's having that time and time to connect time to chat about things or even just time to sit there and not you know just have a coffee and not even talk sometimes it's just about doing something for yourself loving yourself enough to give yourself time to do something that's important to you but without undermining the essence of what it is so i would suggest that you guys do that but you come home, you know, the wives aren't, or girlfriends or partners aren't worried that you're off womanising, drinking, <laughs> um, being chauvinistic, you know, any of those things that kind of tends to be the reason why women allow themselves or make themselves feel insecure around the behaviour in the first place. Now, I realise that that's not your responsibility. It's their responsibility. But I think your comfortableness, is that a word, in being okay with being in your own time and having that time is because your beautiful wife is really excited that she knows when you have that injection, just as much as when she has the injection with her girlfriends, you come back together in a space with a a topped tank, so to speak, and then you've got more to give to one another. How do we encourage our young men to open up and speak like this when their faces or their communication is in social media? I'm noticing my son is talking a lot and he does it via social media. Now, I am not in a position yet to judge whether it's right or wrong. I love the fact that they all have these group chats and they crack up and he sits there and then he shares with me some jokes on an Instagram page. So, you know, I notice with Jacob now, a lot of their communication is on social media with these group chats and these, and they crack up and then he shares with me a photo or a video that one of them have done or like the other day, one of them had done this video based on something funny that had happened at school. He'd put this voiceover over the top of it. He'd compressed the the file and he'd made it into something that was so funny and a part of me goes you know should we be worried as parents that our children are communicating only on phones and via social media or is that part of life I mean you're young enough Sam to actually make a comment on that I personally feel it's not a bad thing so long as they're encouraged not to be nasty and all those typical things what's your thoughts around the whole younger generation and their connectivity oh they're insane aren't they like you think you've got something down pat and then all of a sudden there's something else that there's another app or there's something else that they're using. Uh, what I would say is um, I think we need to meet them on their level, match their values and what's important to them. So if that's meeting their values is, you know, meeting them on a, a social media thing and Snapchatting to them about your day and the same kind of thing, I think that would be quite important. Um, I think the other thing that seems to, from my perspective of what I've seen, and, you know, I haven't we haven't had kids yet, um, is that, you know, what were you like at the same age or what was, you know, your brother like at the same age and that kind of thing. Like it's a very um, sort of an easy time growing up as a teenager and I, I wouldn't jump at doing it again But I'd ima- and I imagine, you know, the stresses are even more compounded probably, probably by social media but to meet them at their level and just to maybe give them space. Like if, you you know, they're in your – they're under your guidance but to trust them that they'll make – the right decision, I suppose, is probably one that I see. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I think as parents, you know, the, the, the major work in bringing the kids up in the context of right and wrong and, and helping them to understand their position and who they are and the depth of themselves and the magic of themselves, you know, all of that really um, 
you know, that happens between the ages of zero and sort of 10, 11 and 12. And by the time the kids hit 16, 17 and 18, the foundations have well and truly been laid, you know. And I think it's about, it's really about um, understanding that kids are just trying to figure out where they fit in society by the time they reach that age. And at the moment, social media is the way that they become social and how they interact with their peers and their colleagues. And as much as it's a contrast to what we've been brought up with, it's very here, it's very now, it's very today, and it's what they know. So as much as there's that element that's removing that personal interaction, which I think, you know, I actually think there will be a consequence to that um, in time. I think our ability to communicate is becoming less and less potent but there's also a new potency that's being born that we need to make room for. And I think trusting our kids that, and trusting ourselves that we've done the right thing and we've done a good job is, is, is mm. really, really important as parents. It's really important. Absolutely. And I, I just, like, I, you know, my mum and dad, just amazing. And, you know, I just think of them and there was never a question of, you know, I, you know, I got in trouble and, yes, the wooden spoon got broken at one stage and, I, I, you know, I went through being a turd of a kid and doing things and got into trouble and all those sorts of things. But there was always, mum and dad always, you know, basically said, you know, if there's something you want to do, you can do it. And there was never a question of, oh, you can't do that. It was like, yeah, come on, let's let's do that. You know, my dream was playing cricket for Australia. Mum and Dad, you know, supported me wholeheartedly on that decision. You know, that's why I moved from Melbourne, uh, Leeton to Melbourne to go to school down there and things like that. It was always recognising that there's this awesome ability. And even though no matter how big and sometimes crazy or stupid my idea was of the next dream that I was after, um, it was all, it was never, oh, you stupid, oh, that's such a crap idea. There was always some sort of support possibly a different time frame to what I was thinking that would happen. But um, there was always that support. And I, I see that sometimes, the you know, some interactions that I see and it's like there's this child or young adult in front of me is awesome um, and there's this thing in there that I can see and I relate to that awesomeness. And it's amazing how much when you see the awesomeness within someone else, how they act differently in your presence. And I suppose that's what I'd like to, you know, that's what school teachers that I really liked. Like I'll give my um, psychology teacher from Corfu Grammar, Sue Sonigo, I mentioned here. Um, you know, she just saw this awesomeness within you. like, And they were the kind of teachers that I related to and I did well on their subjects. But they, they treated you like the person that they could see you were going to be, not the person right now. And I think that's something that is really good. And you know what's really interesting is that there's a movie out at the moment called Eddie the Eagle. And mm-hmm. he was put down his whole life and he just, his decision was, I'm going to prove him all wrong. And no matter what was thrown at that man, he just said, I'm going to do it. I don't care. From his father to his um, athletic colleagues to the head of the Olympic Association in England, it was just phenomenal. So some people turn that around and and just they're gonna they say well I'm I'm gonna I do it I don't care what you say I'm gonna do it so there's there's two ways of looking at this is having somebody that um, does see your awesomeness versus those that um, actually don't see it and tell you that they don't see it and and get you to go the other way I, I, what I want to know is that. What causes one to work and the other to work when they're opposing? Well, yeah, well, that's what Demartini talks about, you know, challenge and support. We all have the same amount of each. It's just which one that we focus on and which one we tend to tend to use, isn't it? And that's the beauty of, like, coaching, you know, our coaching that we get with Sam Cully and um, when we mark fossils and those sorts of things and with Karen is that there is a challenge at the moment and, you know, you've got to stand up, but there's also that support there to you know, give you a hand along that journey. But sometimes you need a bit of a someone to sort of kick you up the backside in a certain kind of way. There's certain there's different ways of doing it. But there's both both work. Just depends on where you're at at that time, I suppose. 
You know, one thing that was interesting, um, Jacob was talking about it the other day. We were having a conversation with his grandmother, his father, myself, and and him, and it was all around um, some of the teachers at school. Now, he feels that a lot of the teachers just don't get him and get a lot of the kids. And I think it's not so much that it's a I'm not saying that he's not well behaved and many of you have been listening to this for many years that he can be a rat bag but interestingly what is um, what his response was and, and what we were talking about is I think these schools need to get some younger teachers in as well to really understand these these younger teachers also have an understanding of the technological world and understand technology and this whole thing as opposed to our generation that would perhaps look at it as a distraction. I think that a lot of these younger people have a lot to give back and are the bridge for this, these younger younger children and teenagers coming through. We need more of that. And a lot of teachers are very, in no disrespect to teachers, and I'm sure a lot of them would agree with this, that a lot of teachers are taught, like perhaps in medicine, nutrition, anything at all, that they're taught to be boxed into a certain uh, conversation uh, or way of thinking that it has to be a certain way. Whereas I look at Jacob and he comes up with five, ten different ways to look at something or he'll tweak this side of his, you know, in the on the computer to turn it into looking into something else or to being something else. And the way they instantly think on their feet, the way they change direction, the way they get bored so quickly, the way that they want to have a, you know, everything is quite fast-paced. And whilst I think it's important to come back to what you're talking about, Sam, of having time on your own, connecting with just one person, maybe not even talking, there has to be a balance or a meeting place. But I feel like the amount of complaints I get about my son... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnection in here as to understanding who he truly is because he's not the only one that's getting complaints. How would you communicate or how do we tell our young sons or our young men that they are fine, that they can go search for their dreams and that they don't have to be boxed in? I keep saying to Jacob, Sam, there's 18 months to go, mate, 18 months to go. Just stay in the realms of what this is and let's just do it with the best of our ability. What would you say to someone like Jacob? Yeah, well, well it's like getting, um, you know, I know there's, I think um, there's a family that I spoke to recently that they get their kids to eat veggies because the young guy wants to play rugby for Australia. So David Pocock would eat those vegetables. It's the same kind of thing, just in a different context. I have no idea in the context what to say, to say but that, I suppose that what's he going to do in 18 months or those kind of things. That's when, you know, young adults start seeing me. I ask them, you know, I always challenge them because they're so in in the moment of where they're at right now and I can see that they're going to be amazing, that they're actually really intelligent. Um, ask them what they want to be when they grow up and then they go, oh, I don't know. No, come on. And you, you've got to sort of ask them over a period of time before they start giving you an answer. And then, or, and then you start challenging them. And it's like, well, if you said you wanted to do this, wouldn't studying for maths or communicating differently with that teacher, doesn't that get you to uni? Because you have to go to uni. You have to study at uni or whatever it is that, that's important to them where they want to go. The skill is in learning the lesson right now, I suppose. Something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Sounds easy. <laughs> but practically sometimes it's a little bit more difficult, I suppose. But... You know, and that's similar to everyone. You know, find what's most important to people and um, and relate to them in that that way. And it's a real skill. Well, the thing I keep trying to say with someone like Jacob and his, his friends is, look, you're going to find people like that in the, at university. You're going to find people that challenge you and who you are in the workplace. You're going to find them in your friendship circles. So maybe use this time as a an apprenticeship or as a as a place to practice their skills in dealing with people that are always going to challenge them. I always think back to, to beautiful Karen's analogy of, you know, my business, your business and universal business. And if anything, I just hope that I can teach him on ways on how to deal with this and getting through it. I will add though, Sam, that as a 16-year-old, now I heard you just say previously that you were a right little turd when you were uh, in, in your teenage years. So I'm just asking you as a mum of a teenage son do you come back and when do you come back into having conversations and longer than a grunt a yes no or whatever well, i think the i think the beauty of it well one let me come back to pat and interrupts remind me to come back to that but the best thing was that i probably went to boarding school and then i had an appreciation for 
um, the relationship I had with my family. And of course, there were hard times, but that was, I think, um, a space where I couldn't. I didn't know what was going on with the bodily changes, you know, body changing hormones and that sort of thing. But I also didn't know how to express myself in a way that I would now and get clear on what was the issue or to actually express I was having a crap time. My reaction was to, um, to you know, crack it and swear and jump up and down and, you know, carry on like a little turd. But it's quite funny with people that are, are stuck in a mindset. Like I'm just looking at I've got a whole stack of my dad's Tony Robbins CDs and dad was always on about P for patience because I'm a Parker and all these sorts of alliteration, all these sorts of things. And I'd just roll my eyes and look at him. But then if someone else said it to me or coaches like, 15 years down the track playing cricket would say the same thing. And then I'd tell Dad on the phone, he goes, oh, mm, I remember telling you that. And I was like, yep. So there's a way, they always come back at some stage. It might not be right now. But, you know, Dad was giving me Tony Robbins stuff when I was like 12. And I think I listened to this crazy American with his crazy accent talking about how he lost a load of weight. I listened to it a couple of times, but it was maybe a little bit over my head. Maybe I was too arrogant at the time. And now, you know, how many years later, you know, 16, 17, 18 years later, I'm going through them all and asking mum, where's the rest of them? Where's the rest of them? I knew there were heaps of them. So I've got the whole stack of dad's collection of Tony Robbins stuff 18 years later. And it's like, well, you, you goose squatting? <laughs> Why didn't you listen to that 10 years ago or 15 years ago? It would have, you know, changed a lot of things. But I suppose, you know, when the, um, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear as well. Mm-hmm. But the, um, oh. the pat- I love doing a pattern interrupt on people. So, you know, you, because I'm sure you, your pattern would be to say something similar all the time. So, And, you know, you can see kids start to roll their eyes or someone you're communicating with starts to roll their eyes. And that's where you just go, oh, well, that's a really good idea to communicate like that because then that's all, it'll be the situation and drive them down into the negative. And, I was like, and then you go, well, that would be a really good idea to really not communicate with anyone and just keep doing this for the rest of your life and not do that. And I think that's a really good idea. I think you should stick to that. And I'm quite cheeky when I communicate with people. So I'll, if, as long as I've got some rapport there and I say with a smile on my face, that so kind of snaps them out a bit of it and then they kind of change. And they might change their behaviour straight away. Sometimes there's that processing thing with most personal development stuff. You know, sometimes you have to collect the information and do those sorts of things. But um, sometimes just to challenge them and just point out how stupid they're being in a, in a roundabout kind of way is quite fun sometimes as well. You know, I know Jacob, so I won't say anything bad, but he might just mm-hmm. um, all his eyes and look off. So. <laughs> I love you. I love it. It's brilliant. Um, Thank you, Sam. So. Sam, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you're up to and everything that you've that you're learning and I think that there are so many men and all of the men that you're working with, with, you know, Lyle and Rob and all of those people who you've got in your circles, it's, it's, it's beautiful because I know them personally and I, and I think that to, to have a collective of um, not only men but also intelligence at that level is really cool, you know, because I, I think that, so many people, not just men, but I think so many people would just thrive if they had an opportunity to hang out with people that were of a like mind, whether mm. they um, sat talking, holding hands, singing Kumbaya, whatever. I think that just to be able to hang out with people who are of a like mind is is, is really awesome. And we found that, Kimmy, just being in Machu Picchu, didn't we? I mean, even though... Aww. It was it, we, we were women, and, and I think women tend to naturally create those sort of groups themselves. But I think we even found that was just incredible. Nobody knew each other. Everybody came together as strangers. There was a little bit of anxiety and anticipation at the beginning, but within 30, 40 minutes of us all being together, we all knew we were kindred spirits. And I think that that kind of thing, the more of that that there is on this planet... The, the greater our transcendence and the greater our ability to go beyond the day-to-day mundaneness that holds people back and allows us to, you know, really thrive in each other's company. So, Sam, thanks for being a catalyst on this planet. Oh, You're an amazing you. human being. How can our listeners find you, discover you, follow you and enjoy you as much as we do? How can they, how can they reach out to you? Um, so the, the website is unleashyourinnersuperstar.com um, and that'll have all the social media links and all those kind of things, links to the podcast, my video blog and that kind of thing. 
Um, I've just started writing uh, a book about how to man up, a personal development book for men. If you sign up uh, via my Facebook page, Unleash Inner Superstar, or the website, um, every week I'll send out my chapter because I need some accountability to keep me uh, on task there because uh, if you talk to my English teachers, they'd be quite surprised I'm, I'm writing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be some Facebook events. I'm doing a talk on the Sunshine Coast um, around the 6th of July at CK Whole Foods. That'll be on the events page for Unleash Inner Superstar on the Facebook page. And I'll be posting uh, Lyle and I, the conscious man and myself, uh, teaming up and we're doing a, uh, a very basic man's retreat, camping, cabins, fire and a bit of barbecuing um, on the 19th to the 21st of August in Kenilworth. And um, there will be all the details are on the event, Bright, which I can uh, give you guys the link or it will be on my events page for my Facebook. Fantastic. That sounds like so much fun. Well, inspired by uh, hanging out at Mulaney with you, Karen, really. Uh (laughs) Go horse riding with you. That's what I'd like to say. Yeah. (laughs) You're it. Uh, and she said she had to race into a, a meeting, but she said she's absolutely loved this last loved this last hour with you, Sam. You are an inspiration to us, and I know that you and I had my husband and her husband on your podcast. Um, what is um, is the podcast accessible from your website? Yes, yeah, there's a podcast link there. Yes, and that's on you know, all devices. There's all links uh, to that by the website. Yes. Perfect. You've got some amazing interviews on there. So thank you, thank you. No worries. And thank you very much to all three of you, like our transition to the coast and um, awakening the change within um, has been amazing. It's really been just something, yeah, just such a smooth transition, just, yeah, just in the right place, putting ourselves in the right place and and, uh, all three of you, your families and partners and have just made it so easy for us and, um, yeah, yeah, you're the you're the ones that inspired a lot of this. So, wow, thank you. You know, you're easy to love, Sam, and you're easy to support, <laughs> and easy to marry. I mean, you can marry you and Catherine. You <laughs> <laughs> should oh, yes. Well, that's another story. Let's move on. Aha! Ah, too funny. Well, to all of our listeners, hopefully, you guys have fallen in love with Sam as much as Kim, Cindy, and myself have loved him and will continue to love him and everything that he does. Reach out to him, go to his website, go to his Facebook page, tell your partners about him, and let them just start to experience what it's like to hang out with a really decent bloke. So, if you've got any questions or any comments for our gorgeous Sam, go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and you can also post all of your questions or your comments at all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and join us here next week on up for a chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world and we are going to hang out with you on the ride bye for now everybody this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.